Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Peter approached Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed ten thousand talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, I'll pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe me. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also, my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Well, we are a people who we like to know our limits. We want to know how far up to the line we can get without crossing it, or maybe even nudge just a little bit over and then jump right back and things will be okay. We want, we want to know our limits on certain things. We want to know when things like our love can be done with, over with, how far our love can go, whom we should love. We, we, we want the same with our tolerance. We want the same with, with our, our forgiveness. We're, we're very much about uh, retributive justice. And, and the idea I used this morning at Bethany, and I liked it because we're coming up to is it at, it's at Christmas, right? Retributive justice, we live by it. Because how does it work? You spend $100 on this person, how much are you supposed to spend on the other person? $100, right? That gets a little expensive. God forbid if it's children and you spend $100 on one present for one and 10 presents for the other, it doesn't usually look very fair, right? Because the value is more in the amount than it is actually in the amount that you spend, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, because I am a parent. But that's how we live. That's how we work. 
It's how we do things. People earn our respect. They earn our forgiveness. They earn our love. And then Jesus shows up to blow all of that away. He comes to us in the Sermon on the Mount and he speaks to us and he tells us, for instance, um, it's not enough that you haven't killed anybody. If you've hated anybody, it's just the same. And so we go, oh, I had that marked in my head, but now you've kind of pushed the line a little bit too close to me, Jesus. Or eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We like that. Retributive justice. We like that. You know, you punch me in the face, I'll punch you back. We'll be best friends. That's how it works for guys. Am I wrong? Middle school, yes, yes, yeah. It, that's how it usually works. And then Jesus comes to us and he says, no, actually, turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. And then our favorite, right? Not just love your neighbor, not just love your friends, but love your enemies. In other words, the unlovable, the unforgivable, the unfriendly. To love those who persecute you, pray for them, as he says. And so Matthew 18 comes to us, and it's basically this whole chapter of Jesus having to reteach these things to the disciples again, because they forget, just like we do. He starts in 18, where, where the disciples, again, are trying to figure out who is the most awesome. Who has the most awesomeness of the entire group following Jesus? You can just see Peter saying to John, well, you know what? I got to walk on water. How about you, John? Or, or maybe, maybe Judas coming to Andrew and going, you know, I cast out ten demons, but you've only done one. Imagine how awesome I'm going to be, Andrew. And Jesus goes, okay, you want to know who's the greatest? And he takes a child and places the child in the midst of them and says, become this. Become dependent on God. Become in need of all things from someone else. Trust. That's the greatest in the kingdom. And then he compares us to lost sheep, right? Because sheep aren't that smart anyways, so they get lost all the time. But he compares us to lost sheep. And then he tells us about the reason why the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness in Jesus Christ, reconciliation, is everything that the kingdom of heaven is about. Because he says, for instance, if your brother sins against you, you go to him. If he doesn't repent, if he doesn't listen to you, you bring a couple of witnesses with you. And if he still doesn't repent, you bring it to the church. If he still doesn't repent, you treat him as a tax collector or a Gentile. Well, how were tax collectors and Gentiles treated in Matthew? They were treated as those in need of a physician, those in need of healing. It's not about casting them outside the church. It's about healing them, bringing to them again the gospel, the word of forgiveness and reconciliation, the need for Christ. And so then Peter, hearing all of this, he sits here and he thinks, okay, those are, those are all good things, Jesus. So let me just ask you, though, I just, I just want to clarify. I'm a little OCD, a little type A. I need my job description written out, you know, in duplicate, triplicate, you know, hermetically sealed in a magic box. How many times do I need to forgive? Is it up to seven times? Because he's actually thinking, you know, the rabbi said three times you should forgive somebody and then never talk to him again. He's like, seven, okay, I'm going to more than double it, Jesus. I'm even going to use your favorite number, seven. I'm going to say, okay, this, this should be good, right, Jesus? What does Jesus say? No, not seven. Seventy times seven. I'm going to multiply what would be perfection. I'm going to tell you infinite forgiveness, infinite mercy. And then he tells the story, right? And what does he say? 
He says the kingdom of heaven can be compared to forgiveness of sins. Can be compared to mercy. Because the interesting thing is that we live, especially now, today, we live in a, a, a world that loves the term justice. We love justice, don't we? Especially in the church. It's become part of who we are. We, we like to go out and do works of justice. And yet Jesus gives us the story, and if you listen to it, where's the justice in this story? You have a man who has quite a bit of debt, and it's forgiven him. And then he goes out and does not perform justice with his neighbor. And then things go rather wrong after the king forgives the debt. Well, let's get to the story. Jesus says it can be compared to a king. And this, this king had debtors, meaning he had these servants who more than likely were made lords of different parts of his kingdom, and they had to collect some taxes and bring that to to the king, or quite possibly they were actually gifted their, their little fiefdom in the kingdom and they needed to bring money to the king. And so it says that this servant shows up and he owes 10,000 talents. Well, let me give you an idea of, of a talent. That's a talent. A talent weighs roughly 75 pounds of gold. That was one talent, one talent. It was worth 6,000 days labor for a common laborer. Basically 20 years of labor fit into the 75 pounds. And what does it say he owes? 10,000 talents that would more than fill up this room with these. Okay? And that is what is said that his debt is to this, to this king. What it speaks to us, church, is of this man, is this is a man who forgot the first article of the creed. He forgot, I believe, in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, where Luther comes and tells us in that article, as the explanation to it, he says, I believe that God has created me in all that exists, that he has given me and still sustains my body and soul, my limbs and senses, my reason and all faculties of my mind, together with food and clothing, house and home, family and property, which I usually say to the confirmation students, with that list, what's missing? Nothing. Because then he says, and he daily and abundantly provides me with all the necessities of life, protects me from all danger and preserves me from all evil. And it says that he does this out of pure fatherly and divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness of my part. And so I'm duty-bound to thank, praise, serve, and obey him. This is most certainly true. Becomes this issue for us, church, of, in the words of Sting, every breath I take, every move I make, is a gift from God. Every sip of water is a gift from God. Every little morsel of food, every second I breathe, every heart beating, every morning that I wake up is a gift from God. And it's this continuous debt that was accumulated, that was lost, that this man had forgotten. And he begs to be able to pay it back. Well, just to let you know, 10,000 talents would roughly be 17.64 billion with a B dollars. Roughly the GDP of a small country. 10,000 talents. I don't know of anybody in this room who could possibly work the rest of their lives to pay off $17.64 billion. 
And it says he begs for mercy, begs for long suffering, and the king does what? Shows compassion and forgives. Does that sound familiar, a king who forgives? Well, this gentleman who owes 10,000 of these goes out, and you can imagine this whole line of servants waiting to make an account of their debts, and he finds the one that owes him something, right? Finds the one that owes him debt. I either, I either think he believes, this, this servant believes that the king is lying, and so he needs to go and collect everything he can so at least he can have something to show his king when the king comes back to him and says, I'm just kidding, you owe me, your, owe me money. Or two, maybe he doesn't really care. I don't know. Part of me wants to side on the not really caring part because $17.64 billion, I think you'd notice that much gold. (laughs) So he finds a gentleman who owes him 100 denarii. A denarius was one day's wage for a common laborer. Weighed about 4.5 grams, roughly about as much as a nickel. So I have have about 100 nickels in here. Okay? Finds him. It's, it's, you know, it comes to, in our day's money, about $396 based on how much silver costs per ounce right now. Okay? He goes out and he finds this gentleman who owed him, who was in debt to him this much. And he chokes him and says, give me what you owe me. And you hear the servant say, have mercy on me. I'll pay you back. And the man said, no, you won't. Go to jail. And it becomes a place for us in which we see 75 pounds times 10,000, roughly about a pound of different debts weighed out before us. You have one that's not necessarily insignificant because I could take this and I could swing it around and hit somebody in the face and it would hurt, right? Or I could stand here for two days and hold it like this And by the time I'm done, I'm not going to be able to use my arm for a week. It's only a pound, but it would still cause some issues. Well, you see, church, I love this parable because what it does is it gives a weight to sin, a burden that we carry. It's not just some little moral this or that. Some little, you know, you shouldn't smoke, shouldn't drink, shouldn't do drugs, shouldn't dance, shouldn't go with women who do play cards, all that stuff. There's some weight to it. 750,000 pounds. And then you have this sin committed against us that has some weight to it that can hurt. And it comes to us to tell us that these are burdens that we carry. And we have one set that the king has forgiven infinitely and does always. And then we have another one which for many of us This sin can define us, a sin that's happened in our past, that becomes the definition of who we are, and we carry it around us, and we don't think it weighs that much because we can probably put it in our pocket, but it becomes this huge burden that we carry. And the freedom that comes in Christ of the forgiveness of sins, which is what the kingdom of God is about, becomes one in which that gets taken away from you by Christ, and it's gone. Not only the burdens of the sins that we commit on a daily basis of not loving God, not loving our neighbor, but the sins committed 
against us get taken away. And it's the whole reason why Christ comes then and says we are supposed to forgive because we have been forgiven. And it gives a whole new picture to this idea of what we think of as justice. Where in fact the kingdom is built on mercy and forgiveness. There is no sin that is insignificant, but every sin is forgiven in Christ. You see, church, I wish, I wish what we could do is we could saturate ourselves in this. Waste away ourselves in this. To realize that this is the weight of what has been forgiven us. That this would be where we would stand before God with 750,000 pounds of sins upon us, and yet he takes that away. Because imagine if we lived in a world in which we saw ourselves that we had this debt and it was paid for us. How would we then live amongst those who either we sin against or sin against us? For instance, racism. Racism always starts with one person being gifted something by God, and then they use that which they cannot change to tell themselves, I'm better than this person. Using something I cannot change to try and make myself feel better or sexism, or bullying, or pick one. In 2008, police in in St. Paul say, in 2008, all the gun violence that is happening now is a result of a murder that happened then. That all the gang members that went to prison for the gang violence in 2008 are now out seeking revenge, seeking retribution being one who came from a state in which we had armed police officers on campus and gang violence all the time. It continues always. Always. These sins that we carry and then at some point we just have to decide Christ has taken that one away too. Well, let me close by reading one other interaction that Jesus has dealing with The forgiveness of sins, if you think I'm just off my rocker, which I probably am, but that's okay. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. I'm reading from Luke 7. Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, and a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them? will love him more. Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, Jesus told him. Turning to the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much, but the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven you. Those who were sitting at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? 
And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. All I can say is thanks be to God. Amen.